I, I think, you know, no matter whether it's redfish, whether it's tarpon, bonefish, whatever the species is, I think they, you know, they're creatures of habit for the most part. And if, say, you're redfishing in Florida, um, incorporate some of those things that help you look for redfish in Florida and other locations. But, you know, I think the biggest mistake people make is they're, they go to a spot and if, you know, I've got three spots um, and those spots aren't working, well, my day's done. And you've got to realize that it's, you know, most fisheries aren't just spot fisheries. Um, you've got to understand the conditions that each one of those individual spots will thrive off of. I'm Captain Greg Deeney, and uh, welcome to the Tom Rowland Podcast. Greg, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing pretty good, Tom. Uh, appreciate you having me, man. Right on. Where are you today? Uh, I'm in Apalachicola, Florida. Just got off the water from a day of tarpon fishing, and uh, back at the condo, looking over the uh, looking over the bay. And uh, yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been a good summer so far. Very good. You got afternoon thunderstorms up there? No, uh, I just got back in town. I spent a couple of days back at home in New Orleans, and it sounded like they had a bunch of rain when I was gone. But right now, it's a beautiful, sunshiny day out, and uh, you know, it's just been getting hot in the afternoon, so the fish haven't been swimming as good in the afternoons as they have been the first half of the day. So I got gotcha. day to day. So you kind of uh, move around a little bit, right? You're fishing Louisiana, you're fishing Florida, you're fishing I Apalachicola do. and down. What's your how do, how does your year break up? So right now, uh, you know, I run a full time guide service out of New Orleans. Um, you know, I'm there pretty much from August through the end of March, and then I do. Keys, uh, April, May, and then I get here actually middle of June after I get done with the Gold Cup, uh, and I fish here June in Apalachicola through pretty much the middle of July, and then I head back home and repeat the process. Um, so that's essentially uh, my schedule right now. I'm all over the place and trying to find a little bit uh, better schedule to, to uh, spend some more time with the family, but uh, right now that's what's driving the business, and uh, got to got to stick with it. I gotcha. So that obviously didn't. I mean, no one launches into the business and just starts fishing in all those different places and doing it effectively. So how did, how did that happen for you? Like what was the evolution of, of your wide range? So the, the evolution of it all pretty much started. I, I grew up in Orlando. I grew up tarpon fishing from the Keys uh, up to Boca Grande, Tampa. Did a little bit in Home Assassin. So I grew up uh, doing the tarpon thing. And uh, I was fortunate enough to play college sports growing up. So I played, you know, college baseball, went to Miami out of high school, played there for two years and then transferred to Tulane. Uh, Tulane brought me to New Orleans, which is where I started red fishing. And um, I got the opportunity to go play minor league baseball for four years. And when I was done doing that, moved back to New Orleans uh, finished, to finish up my degree. And that's when I started guiding in New Orleans. Um, got my captain's license, started guiding through the fly shop for a couple of years. And uh, that's how it all started, um, doing the full-time thing there in, in New Orleans for the redfish. And obviously, growing up doing the tarpon thing, uh, the closest uh, place to tarpon fish was the panhandle. Um, started doing it pretty much there and then uh, started working down in the Keys uh, earlier in the spring. Mm -hmm. So it's been well, good for me. What was it like to say goodbye to baseball? 
Uh, you know what? I t- it wasn't. It was easy to say goodbye to minor league baseball. Uh, <laughs> is that not fun? I mean, is that, is that uh, like the movies? Know, like yeah. you see all these movies, and the minor league baseball is just like, yeah. just like a, a mishmash of either people that are trying to make it up or people that are on their way down, and it's kind of this yeah. no man's land. What was it like it, for you? Minor league baseball to me was it, it was work. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, long bus rides, very little pay. Uh, but you're still playing the game you love. So, I mean, that's that's what kind of keeps you in it. And, uh, you know, it's just it, when you get to that level, I, I feel like every player's got the opportunity to be a big leaguer. It's just catching the right breaks, being with the right organization. And uh, I got myself in a position to where I was with the Angels, and, and we had a great uh, catching core uh, in our organization, which is the position that I played. And uh, just got to position, a time in my career where um, I either had to – get with another organization or I had to move on. And, um, I decided to move on. I was getting ready to get married that fall. And, uh, that's, uh, that's how I left the game, but I still stay involved. Uh, my son is now eight years old and he's, uh, starting to get into the baseball, playing a little bit of travel ball. So I'm being dad coach a little bit, yeah. but you know, allowing a lot of the other guys to do it. Uh, a lot of the other dads, because I know one way to play the game, and, and, and I think at an early age, I think you got to let your kids just have fun and be dad for them. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, yeah. That's, um, that's, that's kind of a hard lesson to learn as a parent, like when to, when to step in on something that you really know something about. Like for me, it was wrestling and, and yeah. my kids, you know, they needed a wrestling coach and it was time to step in and kind of be that coach. But it's like, it's hard to coach your kids. Like you don't, it's, it's hard to push because is, you can easily is. push them away from the one thing that you're trying to introduce them to. Exactly. My wife gets on me all the time. She's like, I, you know, I think you should get more involved. You know, Colton needs you there. He wants you to coach him. And I'm like, look, you know, I don't, I know one way to play and that's how I would coach. And at this age, he just needs to have the, the right coaches in place that will teach him the proper way to play the game. Um, and I, I just I, I don't feel like it's my position to do that right now. Maybe when he gets older. Um, but I, like you said, I don't want to push him away from the game that he loves, that I love. And uh, I don't want to ruin it for him. So, yeah, I'm kind of letting him pave his own path. And uh, maybe later in his career, I'll get more involved. Man, that's that's wise. I'm telling you, how many kids do you have? I got three. So I got my son who just turned eight in May and I got two little girls, five and three. Okay. So we've got a full household. Nice. I'm the opposite. I have two boys and then a younger girl. There so I, I learned, luckily I learned a few lessons before my girl comes there up. Um, but yeah, well, yeah, good the, that we got the boys cause that's, that's a lifetime worth of hall passes for the dad. Right? <laughs> yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I got to go uh, to Christmas Island with my boys when, uh, when I'm graduated high school, that was where we wanted to go. And that was a nice hall pass for sure. Yeah. So um, you said twice that you only know one way to play the game, and I'm assuming that that is to play to win. Um, but what what do you mean when you say that? Uh, it ju- it's like you said, it's it, play to win. You play hard. Um, you, you you do things that uh, you kind of take into everyday life, whether it's you know sports, your career, um, you know good good life lessons uh, that you want to teach your kid. Um, but it's, you know, hard nosed, gritty, you know, getting involved in everything um, and doing everything you can to win the game. Not, not in a cheating standpoint, but just, you know, hard nosed baseball. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I was taught. And uh, that's how I played the game. And uh, that's what got me to where I was at in, in a baseball career. And that's not necessarily always fun. Like, no, I mean, cause the amount of hours you got to put into it, as I'm sure you know, from a wrestling standpoint, requires a, a lot of time, um, a lot of effort. And, uh, you know, I, I think at uh, an early age in, in your kids' careers, you know, you just want them to be more well-rounded, uh, play multiple sports, not just be, you know, into one thing, um, spending all their time playing one sport. And I think it just, it, it keeps them more well-rounded and, uh, Growing up, I did play multiple sports, uh, but once I got to, I think my sophomore year in high school was when it was, you know, I know baseball is going to be my thing. And it just, it was a year round thing at that age. Um, you know, even from like 10 years old, it was a year round thing. Yeah. And I just, I don't want my son to get burnt out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Nowadays, man, they, they, they push kids, you know, at, at a very young age that soccer's your sport, baseball's your sport, wrestling's your sport, whatever it is. And I see that the overall athleticism seems to be kind of going down in kids. Like they're very, very good at something, but like if they're very, very good at tennis, maybe they've never done any gymnastics. They can't do a forward roll. They're 17 years old. They've never done a forward roll in their entire life. Like, I don't know. I don't think that that's necessarily good. It's producing some very good athletes and some very good specialized players, but I don't know. I think, I, I think the parents, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think the parents get to a point to where sometimes they want it more than the kids. <laughs> Do and you I think, think so? Think, really? Yeah. I think <laughs> they push a lot of kids who could potentially have a lot of, you know, uh, potential in the future uh, out of the sports uh, that they may be great at just from, you know, over, over playing them. Right. Um, which is unfortunate, but, um, you know, that's what I try to avoid. Oftentimes those are the parents that didn't quite make it themselves yep. um mm-hmm. and and they're pushing so hard to to live vicariously through their kids it, it, and sometimes it works you know sometimes yeah. they they get that magic formula of of just enough push and just enough working hard and just enough that that it works great and you see some yeah. kids just really thrive like that but then you see many more just kind of get peter out burn out yeah, yeah. so sure. um so you started guiding when you're when you're at Tulane and is that uh, right so Right when I, so I started fishing in New Orleans when I was at Tulane, uh, I, I bought a little 12 foot aluminum John boat from uh, Lowe's, I think. Really? Uh, my dad helped me out with an eight horsepower kicker and I'd throw that thing in the back of the truck before practice and I'd drag a buddy out there with me. We'd go fish the marsh and, uh, you know, a lot of times I was late to practice. I'd get in trouble, uh, you know, from being late to practice because I was out fishing, but uh, that's how I got started fishing in New Orleans and then went off, played pro ball after Tulane for four years and then I moved back. Uh, I think in January of 2009, and that's when I started the, the guide service. Did you know, kind of, as you were saying goodbye to baseball, that guiding was your next kind of step, or or did that? Yeah, I, it kind of fell into into my lap. I actually had a, a coaching job lined up after pro ball to come back and coach at Tulane. And uh, when I was finishing up my degree, I decided to uh, get my captain's license and and start guiding part time because I couldn't get the coaching job until I finished my degree. So. Got my uh, got my captain's license. Uh, started guiding part time through the fly shop, and um, it literally took off um, from there. So it wasn't coaching. You know, it's going to be my other passion, which is fishing. Grew up fishing my entire life. Uh, you know, on the coast of Florida, and um, it's been great. So when things take off for somebody like that, there's usually more to more to it. Like, did you 
when you started guiding in that area, were were you fly fishing right away or just any kind yeah. of fishing or what were you doing? I mean, I would, I would take any kind of fishing. I mean, mostly it was, it's all sight fishing, uh, what I started off doing. Um, I would say, you know, working part-time through a fly shop, it started off mostly fly. I had a lot of friends growing up, uh, that were in the industry, um, that had contacts with a lot of people that would help out from a marketing standpoint. And I got those guys to come over, uh, do some stories, uh, on the fishery, um, film with some guys, um, you know, to do some marketing content. And, uh, just, I got my marketing degree from Tulane. So that helped me out, uh, tremendously, uh, getting into my career and, um, you know, just the drive, you know, between that and the drive and and the passion of what I do, I think that's what kind of got me started and and got me on the right path. Yeah. Do you think a lot of that drive comes from your athletic background? Did you apply a lot of the same principles? I 100% agree. I mean, I've always been taught if you're going to go in, go in 150%. And, um, that's what I did. Um, you know, did the website, did the marketing, got the boat, you know, spent all the time on the water like you should do uh, before you start taking clients out. And, um, you know, just learned the fishery as best as I could. And I've uh, been learning ever since. You know, you learn every day, yeah. which, is, which always uh, keeps it interesting. So when I when I was doing my homework on you, I looked up your website, I read it, and uh, there was a paragraph on there that said that you had been yelled at by guides around the world and that you were going to make sure that that never happened on the bow of your boat, which I found kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so we, you know, uh, we, we, tr- we certainly try to do that. Obviously, you know, being a, a competitive athlete, uh, sometimes, uh, things, you know, we, maybe sometimes guides earlier in the career want it more for the angler, um, than the angler wants it. And I think <laughs> as a guide, um, you, you quickly realize that, uh, you've got to adjust to the person on the front of your boat. Uh, some guys respond well to, you know, the, the guy being stern with them and some guys bold. Um, and you as the guide need to realize who that is on the front of your boat. And, um, I tell you what, uh, having three kids, uh, has certainly taught me a lot more patience, uh, over the last eight years. And, uh, I, I tell you what, it's, it's, it's been great, um, from a guiding standpoint to, have that patience and understand that, you know, not everyone's out there every day. Not everyone gets to see what we see every day. They don't understand the pace like we do. They don't see the fish always as well as we do, but, you know, being a catcher and having everything in front of me, uh, uh, on the baseball field is, is very similar to being the guide on the back of the boat. You've got everything in front of me, in front of you. And, and essentially you've got to, you know, teach that, angler into the fish or coach that angler into the fish, which for me, a lot of times, uh, is, is great. And, and that's the part yeah. that I enjoy about it. It's funny because I had, you, you just almost did it for me, but I had a couple of questions there, uh, written down for you. One of them was how do you use fishing and parenting or how do you see the similarities or differences? And, and that was a perfect segue because you, you brought it in and one is patience. I mean, of course, you know, being a parent, is going to teach you a lot of patience, but being a fishing guide also is teaching tremendous amounts of patience and, and discipline in, in your, in your, uh, emotions and everything. I mean, like, just like you say, I mean, there's so many guides and some of the best ones want it so bad for the angler and then they get emotional and it just comes out in a way that <laughs> it doesn't sit well with the angler. And, Absolutely. uh, you can see that pair break up, you know, but yeah. But it all comes from a good place. And then then as a parent, you know, there's so many, so many situations where it's the same. 
But mm-hmm. which one do you think that you rely on more? Do you think you rely on your guiding uh, and applying that as a parent? Or do you think that you're learning more as a parent and then you're now applying that on the boat? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think um, I think it's a, a combination of the two. I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think they they coincide together. Um, you know, obviously, you've got to excel in, in your guiding skills and incorporate uh, what you learn as a parent equally uh, into your day to day guiding routine and, and how you handle clients. Um, you know, I think your your guiding in the front end uh, gets you to where you are, um, but over time and understanding uh, patience with with your your, your anglers, um, I think gets you to that next level of your guiding career and and creates a lot of those long lasting relationships uh, that a lot of the you know the better guides have. Um, and when you've created those long lasting relationships, that's when things really start to gel on the boat between you know, the angler and the guide. Um, and, and I think that's kind of gotten me to that next level. Um, yeah, yeah there are, there are definitely levels like that. Like, I mean, at first, you know, you're a guide, you're struggling for whatever trip you can get, you're happy to have it. And then later on, you know, it's almost like you're saying no to people more so than you're saying yes, because you have your, your stable of, of guides. And in my guide career, it started to become every year, there were less people, more days, less people. And that is exactly when things really start happening because now the people that you're fishing with, they understand, okay, you're, you're, we're together because I know that you're doing the very best you possibly can for me and I'm going to do the very best I possibly can for you. And there are going to be some days where it doesn't happen, you know, and, and there's going to be days when we're going to explore instead of going out and just hammering them. But you know, that's a, that's a good, that's a good pair. Yeah, I mean, my guys at this point, they love it, you know, because, you know, we may have a great morning and I'll say, hey, look, let's go look at something new that I've never looked at. And, you know, when you do figure something out together, they feel like they're part of it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you know, guys, guys love. Um, do, you, do you think that when you do that and you go out and you find something new that you've never looked at on that first day, how many times has that been the best you've ever seen that spot? You know, I've, I've, I've seen it like that. Um, but I've also, uh, you know, gone and looked for new stuff where it's like, you know, you know, at some point this should work. Um, and I think a lot of guys will do that and maybe it doesn't happen the first time, but if you've got that intuition that, you you know, you're looking at something, Hey, you know, it's very similar to something else that does work. Uh, don't just give it one chance, you know, give it multiple opportunities to work. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, sometimes that that first time that you do go to look at it, it's like, man, this thing, it's exactly what it should be. It's jamming. Uh, and then from there, it's like, let's be micro meticulous and figure out exactly why and exactly when uh, the spot works best. Um, so. And so when you're doing that, talking to kind of newer guides and, and, and anglers that are that are maybe moving into a new area, you're seeing those places and they are very similar to another place, but it's just not, it's just not all coming together for you. Like, are you, what would you suggest for people like to come there on a, on a slightly different tide on slightly different wind direction? Like you got to just keep checking it all the time. Like if it looks like it's going to happen, it probably will sometime, but you just got to keep putting in the hours, man. I I think, you know, no matter whether it's redfish, whether it's tarp and bonefish, whatever the species is, I think they, you know, they're creatures of habit. 
for the most part. And if say you're red fishing in Florida, um, incorporate some of those things that help you look for redfish in Florida and other locations. Uh, for the most part, they're going to be somewhat similar, um, understanding patterns of, you know, tarpon and understanding that they swim edges and, uh, you know, in, in certain situations they move in and out with tides, uh, depending on where they're at. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest mistake people make is they're, they go to a spot and if, you know, I've got three spots, um, and those spots aren't working. Well, my day's done. And you've got to realize that it's, you know, most fisheries aren't just spot fisheries. Um, you, you've got to understand the conditions that each one of those individual spots will thrive off of, uh, and have plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That way, if, you know, the first couple of plans aren't working or the first couple of spots aren't working, you've got multiple, uh, you know, opportunities to have a successful day. Um, but it's it's not so much a spot; it's understanding the conditions that make that spot work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and that's what I would say. When you when you um, at this stage of your career, are you still keeping any sort of a written journal, or do you just kind of keep it in your head, or how do you organize all that information that you just went? I'll tell through? you what, I, I wish I would keep a journal. Uh, that's one mistake that I you know that I have probably made, and I and I may end up doing it at some point. But I feel like um, if you stay too much by the book. Um, that can deter you from doing new things and trying to figure out new areas. So I don't want to be just so by the book, um, even though that could help you uh, in the future. I, I feel like I can keep those things in my head and go back to them uh, when I need them. But I don't want to be so by the book that I'm routine oriented every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you there. And I always felt like, you know, it was so important to, to kind of go by feel, but also, to keep some notes of something because at, like you're fishing in so many different places for so many different fish and, and you're obviously doing a really good job at it. You're learning, like you said, every single day and sooner or later, like some of that, some of that information and some of those things are escaping. Like you yeah. take it, you know, like a, like a, uh, take it for granted. Like, Oh yeah, that happens over there. But I hadn't thought about that spot. You ever get out there and you're just like, Oh wow! I hadn't been here yep. in years. Like yep. are, we used to do. Remember when we used to do this and we used to come oh, yeah. here? And then you go there, and sure enough, that's happening again. But for whatever reason, yep. you just got off of that pattern. You got off of that routine, and now, now, and you haven't done it for years. And you go back, and there it is. It's still happening. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think uh, there's definitely stuff that we forget as guys, just because we see so much day in and day out, um, and our minds constantly working. You know, what's the next best thing? that we can figure out. And, and I do think it's smart to keep notes. Um, and that's something that I probably will do in the future. But like I said, I'm always trying to find the next new best thing, new best spot, new best area. Um, and I just didn't want, you know, to be so by the book. And I find it, I find it to be very hard. Like you're, you're fishing all day. You've got a family. Where does this time for journaling come in? And then what what is the critical data? Like, and that's what I got down to is like, what's the critical data? And I used to take those old, um, Florida sportsman tide books, you know, that had the, that had the, the, you know, the, the wave of uh, look like a wave of the tide. And I would just like, it was about this stage of the tide. And I just put a little mark there and I put bonefish, you know, and whatever the key was. And, and, you know, and I could kind of remember that, but it was like, somebody told me one time, Simon Becker told me, he was like, all you got to know, is 
what time you saw the fish on what day. And then you can go back and look at the tide book. So yeah, like the critical information is what time and, and where you were. And then you can go back and recreate that by looking at the tides and all that stuff. And you can figure out exactly what it is. But, and so that's where I started going is like, what is the minimum amount of data that I could write down that would allow for me to, you know, take some sort of a note on this or recreate this in some way, shape or form. And I don't know, but I, it's discipline, man. I was never disciplined yeah. enough. And even that amount of time, you know, with a family and full schedules and getting ready for the next day and washing the boat, like it's should it's be writing tough. it down. <laughs> it, it's tough, but that's, I mean, you know, you got to juggle your schedule, you know, just like juggling classes, going to school and playing sports. And, you know, it's, it's always a constant battle, but uh, if, if you're driven and you're passionate about it, you find a way. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things, well, there's a lot of things that I find interesting about you and your, in your, um, your career and where you are as a guide and angler is that you are, you're an angler, you're a guide, you're a photographer, you're a videographer, you're an outfitter. And I just kind of wonder how, how you balance the, all of those things. Like what, I mean, there, each one of those is a different discipline in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I would say it's all going to start with your career. Um, as far as you've got to be passionate about what you're doing day in and day out from a, a career standpoint, how you're going to pay your bills, um, and, and take care of your family, support your family. And, uh, I, I think that's goal number one, um, when it comes to, uh, you know, that, that grouping of items. Um, I think that once you get to that level in your career, being able to expand on what you want to do with your career, i.e. photography, videography, um, how you want to express the way you see a day of fishing uh, through uh, a camera screen or through a lens. Um, you know, I think that that shows people who may not be able to be on the boat with you every day. Um, uh, what you, how you see it through your eyes, um, how you're creative with it. And, um, you know, it also helps from a marketing standpoint. Um, if you can be well-rounded from a guiding standpoint, from, you know, a photography standpoint, you know, getting in and doing some, uh, some motion content, um, it, uh, I think that that's kind of the direction that a lot of these new guides uh, are going. And, um, as someone that's been in, in it for more than 10 years now, I think you got to try and stay ahead of the curve and 
I've had some guys in front of me that have built their careers off that. And um, you use them as, you know, people that, you know, help pave the way. And, um, you know, you being one of them, um, you know, I've, I grew up watching the uh, Jamie Howard uh, <laughs> Chasing Silver films yeah. and, and, and got very interested in, in those things. And, you know, that's kind of what sparked my passion for what I do. And, uh, you know, I look up to people like yourself and uh, friends like David Mangum, who've been doing it for a long time. We do a lot of the same stuff with photography and videography. And it's just a great way to uh, to express your day on the water. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it, it tells your story, just like you say, too. Like, like sometimes, you know, you can talk to somebody on the phone and, and it's hard to it's hard to get across. Like what is happening out there that gets you so excited? And then if you got this this video of those giant redfish like you do coming and eating those flies and chasing after them real slow and then missing them and then getting them again. I mean, that is, you got some really incredible footage, but one of the things that, that is interesting to me and I ask a lot of people, this is like, you're going to be a, if you're going to be a fisherman, you're going to be on the bow. There's one mindset to that. If you're going to be a guide, there's a mindset for that. Like you're, you're like not about catching the fish. This isn't, me catching yeah. the fish has nothing to do with today. It's all about me communicating with this person on front, on the front of the boat and showing them the best possible time that I can have. So that's like your mindset going in. How do you see that mindset changing when you decide that today's the day you're going to get this motion content or today's the day when you're going to get the photography or do you try to do that all at the same time? Like, I mean, it is possible. Yeah. yeah well, you have to, I mean, in some instances, I mean, what I try to do is I, I try to make it a point to bring my camera on the boat every single day. And if you don't, a lot of times you miss the best stuff. So it, it doesn't really matter who you've got on the front of the boat. Um, a lot of times I'll try to set it up to where I've got a guy that, you know, He's been on the boat with me plenty of times before. He understands that that's part of what I like to do. And there's been plenty of instances where we've had a thousand redfish out in front of the boat. And I'll say, hey, you know, they're not going anywhere. Give me a couple minutes to just let me film them. You know, let me film them in their element. You're going to get your fish. You're going to get your shots. Uh, let me, let's do some cool stuff. And a lot of times, you know, I forward a lot of that content onto them. That way they can show their kids or their family or their buddies. Um, same thing with photos, you know, guy hooks up on a tarpon. Most of the time, the first thing I'm doing is I'm going into my bag and I'm grabbing my camera and I want to document it. You know, I want to capture it, uh, you know, for them, for myself, uh, from a marketing standpoint, uh, you know, I provide a lot of content to a lot of the companies that, you know, we're, you know, I'm involved with. Um, and uh, it's just, it's like I said, it's a great way to, to show that, that vision through, you know, your eyes. Absolutely. So, um, when you're, when you're thinking about getting some tarpon footage or something, I mean, it's tarpon season right now. You're, 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 I used to have the camera slung over my, my, um, shoulder pulling one side camera on the other. And it's a good way to fall off and ruin all of your equipment <laughs> at the same time. But sometimes it actually works and you can get a, yeah. you can get a, a good photo with the push pull between your legs yeah. and you're, you're yeah. trying to do all this. What, lens do you like for for that like if you're going to be standing on the tower and you got you know you're gonna you're gonna be lucky to get a good shot but it can happen you know yeah so i would say my go-to tarpon lens is uh, you know 70 to 200 mm -hmm. um something that's got you know decent mid-range in, in the 70 millimeter but can also get out uh and touch you know the fish a little bit further out uh, most of my photos aren't from the polling platform though so you know i'll pull to the fish we'll hook up 
you, uh, you know, tarpon fishing, you hook up, get on the motor, you chase them down, get on the fish. And most of the good shots are, you know, middle to late in the fight when that fish is jumping close to the boat. Uh, you're running the boat, running up to the bow behind the angler to try and get the good shot. Um, that's how a lot of that stuff uh, is done. Uh, there, there is some situations where I am trying to shoot motion um, where the boat, I've got to put the boat uh, on anchor. Um, and I'm trying to get that real close up eat or jump or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, most of that stuff's middle to end of the fight, uh, telling your guy, Hey, pull on the fish hard, try and get them up in the water column, try to get them to jump. Uh, you know, that's where a lot of that stuff's taken. Mm -hmm. And as you get better and better at both guiding and photography and videography, now you're trying to get it to happen in a certain spot at a certain time when the light's a certain way. Like, did you ever think when you were first starting to, to, I mean, when I first started guiding, I was lucky to hook anything, like just hook anything, never, mm -hmm. never to even think about, like, I want that fish to jump right here. Like that was like way, <laughs> way too, too, yeah. too complicated for me. Yeah. But you know, I've, over you, over the years, you know, you get to where like the camera guys and in, in our operation are like, yeah, we can't really shoot them into the sun like that. So you're going to have to catch them the other way. It's like yeah. the other way. Like <laughs> we're, we're lucky to catch anything, man. <laughs> like, okay. So now we're going to pull up. Okay. I, I got you. We're going to pull all the way around. I, maybe, maybe we yeah. can do it. I don't know. Maybe they'll be there. Maybe they won't. But, you know, over the years you can kind of figure out like, okay, there are ways that you can do that. Have you yeah. really um, learned a lot about guiding through your your photography and videography, like things that are possible and ways that you can get up on these fish and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, in, in reference to uh, technology helping you guide or uh, is that? Well, kind of I'm just saying like, you know, you want the light to be perfect. Yeah, right? I got you. And so okay. now you have to catch a fish in a certain trajectory where before you're just like, Let's just try to catch one any way we can. And now we're putting even further restrictions on yourself by saying, well, it, it really need him to jump down light. You know, well, I tell you what I used to, I used to be like that early in my photography for, uh, career, but I tell you what, now I don't, it, it doesn't matter to me exactly what direction the fish jumps. Cause I think a lot of times, sometimes when the fish jumps between you and the sun, uh, I think it gives you the opportunity to be creative. Mm. Um, with some lighting and with some post editing, uh, stuff that we do on the computer. Um, I think a lot of people want the, the backlit shot where, you know, the, the tarpons lit up and everything's pretty and, and all that. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have gotten that shot. Um, but there's a lot of people that haven't gotten a shot with the tarpon right in the sun and the sun in your face. And I, I just think that, it allows you to be creative uh, and, and be different than everybody else. If you're not just constantly worrying about, oh, I've got to get the sun behind me. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, that's that's kind of helped me out from you know uh, an editing and a photography standpoint. Um, you know, not worrying about that as much and and uh, and allowing me to be more creative. Yeah. Now, as your career in in um, photography and videography kind of takes off and matures. Are there opportunities for you to just go out and do nothing but that? Like, do you set aside some time to just try to do that? Like maybe with would, David Mangum yeah, or somebody? I would, I would love to. Yeah. And I mean, I've shot some stuff with David. Um, I would like to do more. Um, 
uh, we are involved with a lot of the same companies and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good segue, uh, into a different part of your career that you could, you know, excel in and, and, and make some money in doing, um, because right now content is king, uh, with a lot of these companies, as you know, I mean, they're starving for it. Um, and when you can create that content for some of these big companies without them having to go out and hire, um, you know, big companies to get the photography, uh, it just adds more value to what you're doing, um, you know, in your, in your daily routine. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to do more of it. And if there's anyone out there that's listening to this podcast, uh, wants to uh, get me more involved, I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Oh, you do good work. You, you def you guys have definitely got some really good stuff. Um, is that what, is there any part of all of that stuff that gets you more excited this at this point in your career than others? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think photography, uh, does spice it up a little bit. You know, it, it, it allows you to get outside of just your daily guiding routine. Um, it allows you, like I said, to express your creativity and, uh, do some other things that you maybe wouldn't get to do in just a normal daily, uh, charter. So, yeah. um, I, I enjoy it tremendously. Yeah. So you've been able to, uh, to do a lot of different kinds of fishing up in Louisiana and Florida and everywhere else. Do you have any sort of a, a, a bucket list of fish or any sort of a trip that you would want to take that you haven't been able to yet? I want to do Cuba, even though yeah. I've bought all the species there for the most part, um, except for, I think they've got trigger fish, I believe yeah. that you can say fish. I haven't done that. Um, I really want to do the, uh, the Gabon, uh, the big African tarpon. Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely a, a bucket list trip. Um, to try and catch one of those 250 plus pound tarpon. And then, uh, I want to do, uh, something where I could catch one of those giant trevally. I've never done that. Um, so those are my three big bucket list trips right now that I've not had the opportunity to do as yeah, of yet. That's super cool. I want to do the Arapaima. I keep saying yeah. that's the one man for me. Like I just don't have any experience with that jungle fishing. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, peacock bass, like in Florida, but not. I don't, I'd, I'd like to go to the jungle. That that just seems yeah. cool to me. It seems like there'd be other species there. Um, the, the, um, Trevally and all that I've, I've caught Trevally and been to places where they have them, but I haven't ever been to one of those places. Like there's this guy I follow on Instagram, like fish Raratonga, I think. Uh, Dude, do you know about that, that, um, account? I have not followed him. You, no. you got to check it out. Because like we have tarpon at the dock eating our dolphin skins and stuff uh, like that. They have giant, giant Trevally eating things like the, at the fish cleaning tables. There's like a hundred of them. And so if wow. it's that good by the fish cleaning tables, certainly yeah. you could be able to find a couple out there that, that would Absolutely. let you cast at them. <laughs> you know? I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to check them out for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's a cool account, man. That, uh, that fish Raratonga, I think. And I don't even know where that is. But I'm willing to book a book a <laughs> uh, a ticket sight unseen, and go. I don't even know where it is on the map. But I could if they'll sell me a ticket, I would get on the plane and go. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really cool. That is a that's a tough fish, man. The the Trevally. It's I go back and forth with the Trevally that I think that it might be the toughest fish out there, and I also think that it might be the most overrated fish out there because mm -hmm. like if you go to a place like Christmas Island, and mm -hmm. you're you're I mean. I have never caught a big one there. I've been there twice and you know, you're catching them about the same size as Jack Cravel's yeah. and they fight about as hard as a Jack Cravel. Yeah. But I think that that fish 
And from my friends that have caught really big ones, they're like, yeah, but it changes when it gets to yeah. 80 pounds. Like it's yeah. not an 80 pound Jack Crevella. It's a different animal. And that thing yeah. is, is beastly. Um, yeah. I would like to do that too. I haven't been there. I understand that bikini atoll is pretty good, but yeah. I think that mm -hmm. might be contaminated with radioactivity. Uh, they keep opening it every now and then and then closing it, but I don't know. I'd, I'd like yeah. to do that. But I think the yeah. jungle, that that arapaima fishing, man, that seems... That is cool. I mean, from everyone that I've talked to that's done it, it's very similar to tarpon fishing. Yeah. I mean, they roll, they bubble, you throw at them, they eat, they jump, they're big. Hmm. Uh, it definitely has some appeal for sure. Yeah, I'm going to do that one of these days. Um, as far as the tarpon go, in the last 10 years, um, well, well you were able, you're able to fish up in um, Apalachicola and that yeah. area and probably other areas too. Um, yeah. But then also you're able to come down to the Keys and win tournaments. Like that's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I only know of a few other guides over the history of, of uh, all of these different tournaments that come from different areas and compete in the Keys and do well. Like there, mm -hmm. are, there are a handful that have done that and, and, and some of them, you know, Homosassa guides um, or, or Keys guides that would go to Homosassa and do well. But mm -hmm. I found that interesting. Like that's uh, and that's something that seems like it stays on your calendar all year. Yep. That Gold Cup. Yep. Do you fish? What other ones do you uh, fish? Last year, this was the first year we got to, into the Gold Cup. I fished the same angler in all of them. Um, we've been doing the Golden Fly, I think, for seven years now. Uh, it was our second or third year in the Holly, first year in the Gold Cup, um, and then uh, Silver Kings had a tournament uh, a couple years uh, and did uh, pretty pretty well in some of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it just goes back to, uh, you know, uh, having, having a feel and understanding the fish, you know, no matter, no matter where you're fishing them, um, you know, if you understand the fish and, and you can incorporate, uh, those behaviors, uh, into, you know, each location, I think it's just going to help you tremendously. Uh, and, and that's what I go by when I go there. I mean, I did grow up fishing in the Keys quite a bit. Um, but never spent the amount of time that I do there now. And same thing in Apalachicola. And, um, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy the challenge. Um, I competed at the highest level for the most part in athletics growing up. And I enjoy um, going against the best anglers and guides uh, that the Keys and, and the world have to offer um, and comparing yourself against them and just yeah. kind of see where you, where you, you know, pan out. So was that your idea to, to, to fish the first one or was it your customer's idea? So we both kind of mutually agreed on it. Um, he's a competitive guy. He grew up in Minnesota uh, playing hockey and, uh, you know, uh, did a lot of that growing up. So he's a competitive guy himself. And uh, I got I actually knew the director of the Golden Fly uh, the first year we got in. Uh, you probably know him, Steve Ward. And um, he offered me the invite. And I told my guy, Evan from Minneapolis, I was like, you, you know, you want to do it? And he jumped all over it. And <laughs> once we got into that one, I think the first year after that, he applied to the gold cup. Um, and we were on the waiting list for quite a bit of time, uh, to get in. And, uh, we were in, we got in the Holly, I think two, three years ago. So, uh, it, it's fun, man. And, um, I think when you're down there, even though you're not a local, uh, even though I grew up fishing down there, you know, they, they've got their, um, their local group and, and their core group of guys that, that are there. And I think if you just go in and do your own thing and, and work your tail off, you know, 
gradually you gain a little bit of respect here and there. And, and now we kind of feel like we're part of the group. So uh, it's, it's worked out well. And how does that, how does that play? Like when you see other guides coming up to your area in like Apalachicola, is that the same kind of deal? Like there has well, to be this time. First, first of all, I, I wish Apalachicola was my area. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, uh, <laughs> an implant here too, but, uh, um, I, I would, I would not be the first one to say that I'm, uh, I mean, I, even though I've been fishing here for 10 years, uh, there's guys that have been here a long time, uh, before me. And, and you just, when you come into a new area, no matter who you are, uh, where you're going, you just got to respect the guys that have been there before you. Um, understand that, you know, they've spent a lot of time uh, learning the area and, and, and learning the routines and, and where the fish swim. And uh, you kind of got to pick your way around them and, and, and learn your own spots um, to where in the future, maybe, you know, when they do see that, they may lean on you for a little bit of that information and, and, and be reciprocal. So, um, you know, it, it all goes hand in hand you, know, you just kind of do your own thing, gain your respect and, and, and wiggle your way in versus going into a new area, you know, stomping in there with your shoulders back and saying, look at me, I'm this big new guide. I think a lot of people do that. And right off the bat, they're just, they just don't gain the respect that, um, they, they will gain over time. Yeah. And I think a lot of the guys that are there resent that. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. I don't think that's a good way to, to yeah. step into a new area. <laughs> yeah. At all. But regardless, regardless of who it is and, and where you're fishing, I think no matter where you go, put your time in and, and understand the area and represent the fishery to its fullest potential, as opposed to, you know, just showing up day two. I've never been here before. And now I'm going to start, you know, running trips. I just don't think that's the right way to do it. Yeah. How have you seen um, guiding change in like the areas that you're that you fish regularly since you've been uh, guiding? You know, more boats, uh, technology has certainly, uh, shortened the curve, flattened the curve, so to speak, from a lot of, for a lot of these guys, GPSs, uh, GPS mapping chips have kind of helped with navigation. Um, you know, I think, uh, you're, uh, associated with, uh, Florida Marine Tracks and, and, and Glenn, um, or have been in the past. I, I actually grew up on the same street with, with Glenn growing up. And, uh, you know, just mapping uh, chips like that and then showing people the routes on where to go. And, you know, it just it's it's very good. Uh, the, the technology is really good, but it also uh, shortens that curve uh, for new guys coming in, um, showing them the ways that maybe they wouldn't have normally run uh, where, you know, maybe off the beaten path where now they're seeing other boats fishing. And, um, you know, they may not have seen that boat fishing. 10 years ago because they may not have ever written, you know, driven that route. Right. Nice. I mean? so, um, but it, it's great technology. Um, it, it's there for everyone to use. And I, I think uh, that's, that's probably the biggest change is, is how new guides are using that, that technology to, uh, to gain knowledge. Yeah. And what about like Google earth and, and all of that? I see that as like, yeah, that's a, I mean, for me, I mean, we used to have these, we used to have, um, I don't even know where we got them, but they were like eight by 10 photos of the Marquesas, aerial photos. And they were, I guess they came from an airplane. Maybe they came from a satellite. I don't know. We had, we had like one and it was like an eight by 10. And man, we used to sit there and study that thing and look at it. And, and it was like, isn't this incredible? Like you could see, yeah. like you can see what's behind those trees and you could see what's over here. Now you can see yeah. the whole world like that. Like, you know, know, it's, it's you can almost incredible. see that entire world on your GPS. While I know. You're on your it's nuts. I know. And you can see like, you know, what it would look like at high tide and what it would look like at low tide. I don't know. I guess, I guess at some point, like 
there's there's more information than someone that is not ready for it can like assimilate or kind of absorb at the time. Yeah. Like when you're when you're super hungry for it and you find that one aerial photo and you start looking at every mangrove shoot on the whole shoreline and all this, you know, oh, I see it dips in right there. That's why they're right there. That's the that's the spot. Like, oh, it now it all makes sense. But like yeah. when all that's super available to you right off the get go, eh, maybe, maybe it's yeah. not not you the still same. Gotta under, even if it's there though, you still gotta understand why and when and you know, that that stuff's not on that, you know, and not on the information. They don't that that information, that technology doesn't have your knowledge uh, and your man hours that you're putting in every day, um, which is I think you know, there's, there's still that difference, um, what separates, you know, the good guides from the guides that are going to phase out at some point or another. Yeah, certainly. What do you think about, um, this air, this situation that we've gone through with, with COVID and stuff? Do you see that, um, having an effect on, on a lot of guides? I mean, many, many, many guides were having a really hard time. I sure hope not. Um, you know, I, I feel for the guides that, um, depend on a lot of, single day daily trips coming through resorts, you know, that sort of stuff. I think those guys are the guys that are going to get hurt the most um, because they don't have the relationship with the clients. Um, And, you know, you you, you hope that the guys that put the time in that, that bridge those relationships and, and and, uh, have those relationships with their clients that they won't struggle uh, as much. Um, You hope no one struggles, but um, I I think those guys will struggle a little bit less um, because their clients that have been with them over the years, understand, you know, that this is our livelihood. That's how we're trying to feed our family. And, and they're going to still support that, you know, if they can, right. uh, travel and they'll do everything they can to do it. I just think regardless of that, the situation, we all still need to abide by the rules and, and take care of one another. And, um, I think, you know, we'll get through this like everything else. Um, we just, we just got to keep pushing and, uh, you know, we'll get through it as a community. Yeah. I believe so. And we're getting closer and closer, I guess, to, you know, a, a vaccine of some sort yeah. that should be coming down the down the line yeah. sooner or later. I mean, it seems like, Absolutely. I don't know, when this thing first started, I always, always kind of associate it when the NBA shut down. Like that yeah. to me, that was the day where I was like, uh-oh. Yep. Well, I mean, we <laughs> all knew exactly where we were, too. When I think it was Rudy Gobert got tested positive. Yeah. And I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. And that yeah. was like, and and then somebody said, yeah, they shut the, they canceled the whole season. I'm like, what? No, no yeah. way. I had to go home and, and, and read it for myself. And then it's like, whoa, wow. Yeah. Maybe this is different than I thought. Yeah, and, it's kind of like, do you, do you remember where you were exactly on nine 11? Yeah. Exactly. That, I mean, I was exactly where I was. It's kind of like the same deal. Yeah. And nine 11. Um, uh, yeah, man, exactly. That, that is, I, I won't ever forget either one of those. And, uh, um, my wife well, called me. On 9-11 and she's like you gotta come home buildings are on fire and everything's happening and i i didn't understand what was going on and i was like okay we're on, on my way and then to get home and it's like oh wow man that's incredible uh um, yeah just yeah you'll never forget it never forget it um so how long do you uh how long do you f- fish uh up north uh so i'll be here for the next two weeks so i'll be here through i think the third week in July. And then I head home, take a couple weeks off, usually do a vacation with the family. And then I crank right back up uh, middle of August. What does uh, a vacation with the family look like for you? 
Interesting. No fishing rods. No fishing rods. Where's the Where's the sun? Because a yeah. lot of a lot of fishing guides want to crawl in a cave, and yeah. uh, and all of a sudden their family wants to go to the beach. It's like, ooh, yeah. man, yeah. really? Well, it usually involves the beach because the kids enjoy the beach. We will try to go North Florida, Destin, watercolor, uh, maybe back down to the Keys. Um, you know, I'd like to, uh, you know, do some different stuff, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like you want to be out of the sun, out of the heat and yeah. the family wants to get you right back in. I know out of the sun. Uh, that's a big one for me. Like just, it's like, yeah. really, man, the beach, Ooh, man, yeah. that's like, <laughs> like taking you out of the fire and throwing you right it, back it, in. It's better than Disney though, man. Let me tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. I guess is Disney, is Disney back gone full steam? I don't, I, I'm not even sure. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah, that's a hard one for them. So what what would you do on your on your vacation? Like is there something else that you like to do? Do you like to get in the water? Do you like to paddleboard? Yeah, paddleboard, ski, you know, anything. Anything with the kids. Uh kneeboard, uh go look for sand dollars, seashell hunt, you know, whatever the kids enjoy doing. I just I I try to make up for lost time. Yeah. Um so it's nice when you have an activity like that, like um, seashell hunting, something like that. And you're like, man, I don't have to worry about, I hope it is windy. That'll be awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> like anything. Yeah. I don't have to worry about wind. I don't have to worry about the tide. Well, maybe the tide for sea, seashell hunting and you kind of take a little glance at it and you're like, ah, it's going to be high at noon. We can be, we'll be fine. You know, but I, I like, uh, things like that where, where you, uh, um, on one recent trip with my wife, she took me to, she said, well, we're going to go, um, we're going to go cut lavender. And I was like, okay, whatever, whatever you want to do. And so we drive up to this place and there's this lavender field and oh. it looked a lot bigger in the pictures that we saw. It wasn't actually that big. And so they give you a pair of scissors and they tell you, you can go over there and, and cut it. And they show you which ones are culinary lavender and which ones are the, the ones that you're supposed to dry out and put in the bathroom or something. And, uh, and I was just amazed. I was like, that's it. You just, there it is. It's not going anywhere. Like I'm used to stuff like running yeah. from you and, yeah. and trying yeah. to hide and doing yeah. things like yeah. this isn't hunting. This isn't fishing. This is like, you just walk over there and cut some and, and that's yeah. going to be good. And she's yeah. like, oh, it was the most wonderful day. That was so great. And I'm like, man, that was so easy. That yeah. was unbelievably easy coming from like fishing and, and everything. Yeah. Need, happy more, wife, happy life. need more activities like that. Like no tide, no wind. It could be raining. It could still be lavender cutting. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
Yeah. So, uh, as, as your boys get older, what, um, you know, what activities do you enjoy doing with them? They, they enjoy being on the boat. Yeah. The well, both of them are out in Montana. Um, okay. so I, I started taking the family out to Yellowstone when the kids were really young, because that's a place that's meant a lot to me. That's where I got my first job really. And my first kind of, uh, taste of like, I don't know, like this alternate lifestyle of guiding or living out in, in some place like that. So I lived in Yellowstone National Park for the summer and I just always wanted to go back with my family. And so when my kids were really young, we started taking a trip out there maybe every other year. Well, the boys, they kind of got that in their, in their blood. They were like, yeah, we like Yellowstone. We like Montana, yeah. Wyoming. Um, and, and it's kind of like if you know, whatever you don't have, that's kind of what you want. So it's like, yeah. They're fishing off the dock at the, on the canal, catching snappers and tarpon yeah. and bonefish and everything. And what they really want to do is go, go hunting, you know, like yeah. my, my oldest son, he likes to elk hunt and I nice. uh, love shooting his bow. And my younger son's a little bit more of the fisherman, but both of them kind of gravitated out to Montana. So they're out there. They, they love hiking and climbing mountains and backpacking and fishing and just bought them a little drift boat. It's a real beater. Um, this thing's been sitting in somebody's yard for like seven years. I think it's full of water. Probably the heaviest drift boat ever to go down yeah. the Yellowstone River. That'll make them earn it. Man. Yeah, them yeah, they they're they're gonna they're gonna earn it, and uh, they're they're learning all of those things and and um, having a really good time. My oldest son kind of dabbled in the guiding world a little bit and started to uh, guide elk hunts, and he liked that, but. What is his passion? You know, it's like this balance kind of that we we touch on a little bit. And I talk to other guides about a lot. It's like, do you want to be the guy on the front of the boat or do you want to be the guy on the back of the boat? Because if you want to be the guy on the front of the boat, you shouldn't be on the back of the boat. Like that's yeah. not a good combination. Yeah. And so I had that conversation with my with my oldest son. And, you know, elk archery season is very short. It's a very short time. And it's a real magic time out there where those elk are bugling and they're doing it's, it's kind of like tarpon season. Like there's like, there's like two weeks where this is going to be yeah. the best it's going to be. And, and like, you know, he just kind of decided that I think I want to be the one with a bow in my hand. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that this is, this is what I want to be doing. And I can't argue with him. man. it's like, it's, yeah. there's like two or three weeks that it's yeah. really, really great. So yeah. he likes to do that. Rich of course puts him squarely in grizzly bear country. My other son um, likes to, like he did a Knowles trip out in Alaska and he's very um, confident in the wilderness and he can do all kinds of stuff. Um, but it puts him squarely in grizzly bear country too. Yeah. Um, so they mostly try not to get eaten by grizzly bears uh, is what, what those guys are doing. And my daughter, my daughter is, uh, she's being a high school girl and, and she likes fishing. We're getting ready to go fishing for a couple of weeks down in the Keys. and. Um, you know, she's, she's great. She's just living her life and I'm yeah, trying my best to be the best dad I can possibly be. Yeah. Little girls are definitely meant for their daddies. No doubt about I that. I know. Do you see a difference between raising girls and raising your boys? 100%. Do you? <laughs> what are they? I, I, I mean, my, my son is a total mama's boy. Uh, when he's having a problem, he goes to mom when, you know, it's like those little girls, once they're born, I mean, they got to wrap immediately. Oh yeah. So they're going to get whatever they want, whenever they want it. it you know, 
but they're not going to be able to bring the boyfriend home to dad until she's a certain age. That's, that's the one thing that, uh, what, what is that age? You, you seem like you've, uh, you've come, you've already decided, uh, you know, 30. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. yeah. Boy, that's a, that's a, that's one right there that you just don't, I just didn't know what to do, you know? And, and I, you know, do you run them off? Cause my dad was always the, he was the guy that, that ran them off. Like be real super intimidating and run them off. Well, of yeah. course, that makes the girl want to date the bad guy even yeah. more. So yeah. I understand that psychology. So I'm kind of like, no, I don't want to run them off. And yeah. the last thing I want to do, if there's somebody that's really nice to my daughter, I want them around my daughter, but I want them around me too. Like I yeah. want, I want yeah. them to hang out. So like my daughter and her boyfriend, they they hang out at the house a lot. And, uh, you know, I try to, I try to be nice, you know, (laughs) I, 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 I agree with you. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if if you run the boyfriend off then you run the daughter off and, uh, you don't want that, you know, you know, as a parent, if you raise them right, they're going to associate themselves with the right people. And that's all you can do. That's what you hope. Like, I mean, that's the idea I think of, of, of perfect parenting, which of course there is no such thing, um, is, is raise them so that they make the right choices don't make the right choices for them raise them so they understand what the right choices are and then they make those choices for themselves because they want to make that choice and you know i've seen glimpses of that with all my kids (laughs) and 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 and, you know there's moments of being like yeah see it's working that's awesome and then you know i don't know parenting is one of those things that's kind of like kind of like fishing like you're never going to be perfect yeah, at it. Like, never, and never you're always learning. learning, always learning, always, always learning. man. And, and, but I don't know. Parenting has been certainly, certainly the most challenging thing in my life ever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, fishing, you learn, you learn every day. Parenting, you hope you learn every day because man, about the day that you feel like you got that wired, something really bad's about to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> And the yeah. same thing with fishing, though. Don't, don't you think, like, as soon as you feel like, oh, we are going to smoke them today. I know exactly where they are, exactly what they're going to do. And you yeah. get there and your guy's like, okay, is this where they're supposed to be? And it's yeah. like crickets. And you're just pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. It's like, yeah, yeah they were supposed to be back there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. My friends used to say, oh, that spot's so secret that the fish don't even know about it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was our that was our thing. Yeah, you got yeah. a secret spot, all right. So secret, the fish don't know about it. There's well, a lot of if, if I ask you, um, you know, this this is really the first time we've uh, got to uh, talk with uh, one another. But yeah. I want to kind of pick your brain um, as far as uh, you know, from a business standpoint. You know, what were what what's in your opinion the best way to set goals um, to be a very well-rounded businessman when it comes to the industry that we're in, because you've obviously uh, done very well in your career. Um, and, and I think it'd be something, you know, good to yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think just like, just like fishing, mm-hmm. you know, like you set a goal as the first, first year guide that you want to win the gold cup. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, you're not even ready to, yeah. Like that, that's too far out there. It's like, yeah. I want to go to the moon. Like, okay. Yeah. 
Um, so I think that I think that you know it's good to have big, lofty, uh, aggressive goals like something like that. Like I want to win, you know, that prestigious tournament, that one prestigious tournament. I'm going to set the trajectory of my career towards that, and I'm going to do what I think is all the hard work necessary, even though I have no idea what that hard work would be at this point. I'm going to set that as my intention. Well, along the way, you have to have a lot of smaller goals and yeah. you have to have a lot of smaller goals that are, that are certainly within reach. And, uh, as far as the business goes, like, I don't know where, I think it was kind of, I had this idea that I wanted to gather sponsorship. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really know why. Um, but I kind of thought, well, I want to gather sponsorship because basically, I mean, it's really expensive to live in the Florida Keys. So like if I could get anything at a discount or for free, then it would be much easier for me to pay my bills. That's how, that's honestly how it started. Like I'm buying full retail rods and reels and fly rods and, and stuff. I mean, man, I got to be able to get some kind of discount on that. Mm-hmm. And so to understand how that worked and you've obviously been able to do this but a lot of people don't have any idea how that works and and it's all about delivering value back to who it is that you're that you're working with and that value comes in one form of currency and that is their bottom line are you selling product for that company because if you're yeah. not they have no reason to do business with you they don't yeah. they 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 and they can yeah. build their brand just fine without yeah. you. Like, yeah. are you helping them sell their products? And a lot of people think, well, I won a tournament, so I deserve some sponsorship. You know, yeah. that that's yeah. not the way it goes. And and just just kind of spending time and understanding that as a as a as somebody that wants sponsorship is really important. That was probably my first goal is I want to understand how this world works. And then when I get in it, I want to understand how I can do the best job that I possibly can at, at that game. And that's really what it is. It's a game. Like you're, you're working with a company so that you can help them sell their products through your lifestyle basically. And, um, so I don't know, over the years that kind of developed into, okay, first it's going to be the tournaments and uh, you obviously need some sponsorship to help you to, to do the tournaments. I mean, it started with the Florida Keys tournaments and then it went to the professional redfish tournaments and that all that travel and stuff is crazy. Yeah. And then it went to TV after that. And, and then from TV, you know, that, that goes into the, the social media world. And on each one of those steps, you know, there are all these micro goals and smaller goals of like either understanding a new world that, that you don't know anything about, like how to be a TV producer or how to, how to sell sponsorship on, on television or how to go to um, New York and sit in front of an ad agency and sell yourself. Like that's very uncomfortable. And so uh, especially when, you know, you've got, you look like you've been out in the sun for the last 50 days and you're, you know, you're, you look like you've been wearing a, a scuba mask and you show up in New York and these people are looking at you like, what yeah. is going on here? And, uh, so I don't know. I mean, that, I think that setting goals is, is really super important, but I think that, that you've obviously got a very good idea of where it is that you want to go with your career. So the next step is like, 
what are the steps that I need to take? You know, do I need to learn more information? Do I need to talk to somebody that's done this before? Do I need to just spend more time on the water? Do I need to like, what is it that, that I need to do? And, you know, these days with Google, um, you can learn a lot that you couldn't a while back, but I don't know. I did that answer your question at all. Absolutely. Yeah. And And I think it's an evolution of knowledge It's as opposed to just kind of setting, setting, you know, your goal and then just going for that goal because you're missing all these other things along the way where, yeah, you just kind of keep, keep stair-stepping that, that knowledge. And, and, you know, the, the toughest thing about that is like, honestly, like, at least for me is like, in order to get into a position to where you can go and sell yourself for sponsorship, you have to have put in the time and, and dedication and the, you have to have the knowledge to where you're a very well thought of fishing guide and you're producing and you're winning tournaments and you're doing all these things. And as you move to these other endeavors, something's got to give. Like mm-hmm. you can't put all of your focus on winning a tournament anymore. Like yeah. you have to now say, okay, in fact, I need to take a day off the water so that I can build this other business. And that's pretty hard, man. That's, yeah. that's one of the hardest things I think is to, is to say, okay, so you're telling me that in order to get further ahead in the business world of fishing, I need to not fish as much. Yeah. Like that's a hard thing to kind of get your head around. Yeah. Like, yeah. huh? Okay. But it is true. Like you're, you're not going to be making, I mean, it, it requires making phone calls. It requires, you know, emails. It requires editing. Yeah. It requires all of these things. And you're not doing that on the polling tower. So yeah, you got to find another time to do that. And then when, when it's hard to pay the bills every single month, where does that money come from when you're sitting at home? Like yeah. you haven't, you haven't made it pay yet. That's a yeah. tough situation. Like yeah. I need to edit sure. these videos, but nobody's paying me to edit these videos. <laughs> so but when I edit them and they're good, then maybe I can get something. Out yeah. Of but there has to be that period of time where there's that, the thing that you just identified perfectly, then maybe I can get yeah. something out of it. And you have yeah. to have faith and confidence that your idea of then maybe is actually solid sound and you're going to yeah. bet. Well, you're betting a thousand dollars on it. Every time yeah. you sit at home, you're That's like, it. I'm betting a thousand dollars that this is going to pay off. And you yep. know what? It will. It may yep. not happen at first, but it will happen. Like when you edit those videos and you hand them off to your client and he goes and shows them to his, the people that he works with. And he's like, you won't believe the school of redfish. Look, there's a thousand of them. And they're like, there weren't a thousand. Look at my, look at this phone. Yes, there are. <laughs> and they're like, Oh my God, I've got to do that. What's that guy's phone number? And, yeah. you know, and it does happen, you know, yeah. but it, but it happens slower than, than anyone might, might think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but you seem to be doing, you seem to be doing quite well with it. I appreciate it. You got any other questions? It's good uh, conversation. I know, man, that's a good conversation. Um, I mean, I, we, we uh, did mention something about the TV stuff and then that's something that I'm, certainly looking to get into uh, can't divulge too much information about it but uh you know is is how has tv treated you obviously tv's treated you great um yeah. how's the the business of tv different from uh normal 
daily guiding. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you touched base on a lot of it with, you know, you got to be off the water more editing. Yeah. Know, well, sponsor, stuff like that. But, and then, then I'll, then, you know, I mean, I've been on TV for 17 years now. So yeah. the definite, the simple definition of what is TV has changed in itself. Yeah. Like, you know, when we first got started, we were on uh, one network and mm-hmm. that was enough. And, and then, you know, we would be on two networks and ESPN, we'd have a short little show on ESPN. That was doing 350,000 people would watch that on a Saturday. Then we were on OLN at the time and we'd pull about 250,000 people on that same Saturday. So on two different networks, we've got big numbers. Well, those numbers don't exist anymore. They, they're just, they just don't. And that's why you see pretty much everybody is on multiple networks because mm-hmm. you just it's hard to get those kind of numbers yeah. on a single network anymore so we're yeah. on discovery channel sportsman's channel um sun sports and then we have this whole digital distribution on waypoint and yeah. um honestly the the tide has probably turned at this point to where we're doing better on on digital than we are yeah. on conventional television like that's um, definitely the direction. A lot yeah, of it seems different. like it's the direction, but you know, I've seen people jump too soon, and mm. they go all digital too early, and their show's not around anymore. Yeah, and they were they were pioneers, and they were on the forefront, but it it just wasn't quite there yet, or they didn't quite do it right. Then I've seen yeah. other people, and they leave television, and they go to YouTube, and they're killing it. Yeah, and then I've seen the other way where they leave television and they try YouTube and it just never quite works for them. And I don't know. It's a real different deal. Like in the television world, in the television world, basically somebody's got to pay for it. Yeah. Like it's a pay to play kind of thing. So you got to pay the network or you got to pay somebody. Mm -hmm. And, and actually TV a long time ago was much easier than it is today. Because if you paid ESPN and you they let you put your show on there because it was good enough, you were rewarded with big ratings. You didn't yeah. have to do anything. There was no social yeah. media. There weren't there weren't email lists. There wasn't anything. You just put your yeah. show on there. You you filmed some great shows. You put them on there, and boom, it happened. Yeah. And um, it's not like that anymore. Now it's yeah. a full time job. And, and honestly, the, the easiest part of the television business is going out there and catching the fish and making a beautiful show. That's, yeah. that's the easiest part of the whole thing. And, yeah. and it's really easy to get a show started and it, and the real work comes in keeping it going. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the, that's the real balance is like, yeah. how do you keep it going over yeah, the years? Obviously done a great job with, you know, getting big sponsors involved and, and, you know, showing that value to what you can bring to the table to those sponsors and maintaining those sponsors over the years. So obviously what you're doing is, is right. And, uh, and I, I appreciate, um, you know, the knowledge that, uh, that you can pass along. Yeah, so, I'm happy to. I mean, you know, I, uh, I had, I, I was successful in the television business pretty much because other people came before me, like Bill Dance, Roland Martin, Jimmy Houston, um, uh, uh, Jerry McKinnis. Those four guys specifically mm-hmm. laid the foundation and 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 hacked their way through a jungle and then l- paved a road that mm-hmm. people like me could follow. I mean, there was yeah. a there was a laid out 
plan of do it this way, sell the sponsors. And, you know, it wasn't written down anywhere, but you could just observe and watch and you could be like, oh, okay, I think that this is what they're doing. And then, you know, if you had a sponsor that really liked you, they're like, well, it's kind of what they're doing. This is, let's try it this way. Okay. And then, so you, you do that, but you know, Shaw Grigsby was incredibly helpful to me and, uh, he was my earliest mentor in, in television. He was the, he was the one that invited me to be on the show first. And, uh, so I was on his show first and then I was on his show two or three other times. And, uh, he was incredibly helpful. He gave a lot of knowledge and he answered all my questions. And some of the answers that he gave me, I wasn't even ready to, to absorb. Like we talked about before, I was so naive and, and I knew so little that some of the stuff that he was telling me was gold and I didn't even know it. Like, thanks Shaw. I don't even know what to do with this, but you know, I feel like he helped me so much and I'm happy to help anybody. Like I, I, I feel like you, you pass it on, you pay it forward, you know, whatever. But, uh, I don't know. And I also feel like we can all help one another because like, there's, this is a new world. It's a new world yeah. every day in this media space and things yeah. like Waypoint are, are hugely successful right now, but there could be something else that I don't even know about. Like yeah. that's on the horizon that is, you know, the equivalent of, of uh netflix to blockbuster and all of a sudden it's like yeah. where'd that thing go oh it's gone it's it's not it doesn't exist anymore and this is the new uh, thing i think you'll stay ahead of the curve I think well i hope i mean it's just like it's just like fishing you know you 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 become passionate about it of whatever it is and and you study it and you you work on you know every aspect of it all all the way around 360 yeah. degrees and and you just constantly looking at it and shaping it kind of, and like a, like a sculptor almost. Yeah. And you, you know, and, and you work on this side too much and you know, the backside's falling down and then you go, Oh, yeah. shit, I got to go over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah. you got to try to build that side up and then the face yeah. of your statue's falling off and you got to, you know, go back over there and try that because you only have so many hands. That's but, uh, yeah, man, well, you're going to, you're going to do great. I'd be happy to help you, uh, any way that you can. Cause, okay. uh, Heard so many great things about you, and you're obviously a, a stand-up dude. I appreciate it, man. I'd love to get you on the boat at some point. Let's do it. I want to go catch some of those big redfish you got. Let's do it. Brother. What is that? Fall and winter? I mean, you know, you know how it is. It's it's a good year-round fishery. I mean, some of the best stuff's actually right when I get home, August. Really? August, early September before they go off and spawn. Let's do it. Where do you like to leave out of? Because I saw uh, someplace I, somewhere that was saying that you fish the the Biloxi Marsh. Did I see that on uh, one of your yeah, things? Yeah, I used to fish up in Hopedale quite a bit. I fish down in Venice uh, a little bit more now that time of the year. And then I, uh, I mean, I'll fish the whole state. Mm-hmm. I'll fish from almost the Louisiana Texas border, you know, all the way down to Venice, and then out east. Yeah, you know, in the Biloxi Marsh. But, well, Venice, uh, man, can't do any better than Venice. I know, right? That place is place is the deal. Um, right. Well, thanks, man. Let's do that. Let's get together and, and fish. We can talk about uh, business and family and fishing and Absolutely. sports and all that all day long. Um, but in the meantime, if somebody wants to go fishing with you or one of your guides, how would they do that? I uh, go to uh, LouisianaFlyFishing.com uh, or check us out on Instagram, Flywater underscore Expeditions. Okay. And uh, do you do any other social media? Uh, I've got Facebook and stuff like that, but, uh, you That's know, for old I, people. I would say, probably, but yeah, no, yeah. 
Instagram's the way to go. Instagram uh, is the way to go. No YouTube channels at this point, but uh, maybe in the future. Right on. Okay. All right. Well, I'd suggest it. I've seen the videos, and yeah. uh, dude knows where the big ones are. I can tell you that. There you go. I appreciate it, Tom. It's been hey, a man. pleasure talking with you. Thank you. If I can ever do anything for you, give me a call. All right, All right guys. That's it for today, and uh, we will see you next week with another awesome interview, just like Greg Dini. All right, later. <laughs>